0: prophet does basically two things to help uh, get some contrast in your mind by the start of the lesson. A prophet either foretells truth or he foretells truth. That's what a biblical prophet does. First Samuel chapter number nine, we will we'll start there. And the Bible says in verse, verse number nine, before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, come and let us go to the seer and a seer is to, to really understand that a seer is a person who sees <laughs> you wouldn't think that would be what it means huh? but that's that's what a seer is someone who who sees something for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer so this is uh number one we talked about this in the past the bible will define words that may not, we may not use in common use today. Um, and we see that a, a seer is a prophet. So if a seer is someone who sees things, what does a prophet do? A prophet can forth tell a truth that man has not seen yet, but that prophet sees it because God opened up his eyes and is now going to give forth, forth that truth. Um, we also see that, uh, let's back up a little bit, because we have this, uh, this is happening here with Saul. And he says to his servant, verse uh, verse number, well, let's back up to verse number six. And he said unto him, uh, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. There'd that, be two phrases that would describe an Old Testament prophet. They're a man of God, and honor. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. See that? He sees something that's going to come to pass. God enlightened his eyes, and now he's going to forth tell a truth and then it will come to pass that's what an old testament prophet did now let's go thither Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go so see there's a future uh looking there's a future uh tense there and and the seer the prophet is going to show them their way uh look at verse uh look at verse number uh number 10 Then said Saul to his servant, well said, come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. So in the Old Testament, they recognized these prophets as a man of God. It was God who sent them. And so what does that mean for us to get some understanding on this verse? Whose message was it that they were bringing? It was God's message. It wasn't their opinion on God. It was God's message. Genesis chapter 20. I ask you to turn there. Genesis 20. Watch what we see uh, in verse number 7. This is in reference to Abraham. It says, now therefore restore the man his wife. We know Abimelech the king had a vision. and uh, Happening with Sarah, his wife. And so. We're ending up here in verse number seven, and and the Bible says, For he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou, and all that are thine. And uh, what I'd like to talk about tonight concerning uh, prophets is that they also pray. There's a recognition here, oh, that's, that's a prophet. He's accountable to God. And that prophet's a man of God, and that prophet prays. Interesting, uh, that term is used regarding Abraham in the context of this chapter. But a prophet for tells uh, fourth tells truth. He's a man of God. He's accountable to God. He prays. And now let's get First Kings. Let's see what else we can find out about Old Testament prophets. Go to First Kings chapter eighteen. This is. An exciting chapter. Very exciting. Let's start. Let's just read from verse number 19. Let's do some Bible reading. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all Israel and Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal. Well, that can't be a good thing. Um, Baal's a false pagan god. But they have prophets, they sure do, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. They're not interested in feasting on the word of God. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered their prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long haunt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word, answered him not a word. That happens a lot of times when you're asked to choose who you're going to serve. All of a sudden, silence. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. That's refreshing. Prophets of Baal versus the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And call ye all the name of your gods. Little G by the way. And I will call the name of the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D Lord. And the God that answereth by fire. Let him be God, and all the people answered and said, "It is well spoken." Sounded pretty well spoken to me, huh? And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, "Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first for your many, and call on the name of your gods, and put no fire under it." And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called it on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying. O Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or, poor adventure, he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. That's a consequence of following Satan and satanic gods. They cried aloud. Mm. Verse 29, it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regard. Now let's just stop right here before we continue on. In the context of what we've read so far, the prophesying has to do with what? We looked at it a little bit in the previous verse, previous chapter. They're praying. Part of prophesying is praying unto God. Who are the prophets of Baal praying unto? The false God. Who is Elijah praying unto? The Lord God. So, and this praying—it's without ceasing. They're keeping it up. Let's continue to read, and let's let's learn a little bit more about Elijah the prophet. It says in verse twenty. Uh, 20 uh, 30 i'm sorry and elijah said unto all the people Come near unto me and all the people came near unto him And he repaired the altar of the lord that was broken down And elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of jacob Unto whom the word of the lord came saying israel shall be thy name And with stones he built an altar in the name of the lord and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullets in pieces and laid them on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah, the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am Thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. He's praying. Part of this prophesying is he's crying out to God. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And licked up the water that was in the trench. It's all gone. And Elijah. Headed up that prayer. Elijah the prophet. They pray. When he says. In first Kings. In verse number 36. Elijah cries out. And says Lord God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel. You know when that was last term. In Exodus chapter number 3. I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And you know what Moses did when he heard that? He hid his face. And you know what? (laughs) There was a bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. You know where that fire came from? God. (laughs) And that bush was not consumed. When it shows up in 1 Kings, you hear the same phraseology. The fire comes down, but this time it consumes. Who's it from? I am that I am. It's from the same God. And you know why you know it's from God? You know why you know it's a miraculous fire that Elijah calls down? Because it came down. You start a fire, it's an upward thing. You start it down here. And that fire rises upward. You get something miraculous from God, it's down. He's bringing it down, amen. And that's exactly what he did. And it did consume. And you know what they did in verse 37? Watch this. Hear me that thou... Uh, no, I lost my verse. They fell down, wherever that verse is. They fell down. And uh, anyway, they did fall down, so just don't have the exact reference. But uh, let me see if I find here. Uh, Okay, verse number 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. Prophets in the Old Testament, yes, they forth told truth, but they also prayed and were accountable to God and were men of God. And Elijah, we see, is crying out to God, and what he cries out certainly does come forth, doesn't it? Um, it's very important to, uh, and we're going to tie this into some New Testament stuff in a minute, but go, go to Exodus chapter number four, if you would. Exodus chapter number four. Look at verse number ten, Exodus 4:10, and Moses said unto the Lord, "O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. What do you call someone that has uh, a brain deficit, a deficiency, or a brain handicap? They're slow. We say that person's slow. May I remind you, that's Moses. And you know what's slow? His speech and his tongue. He has a handicap in that area. Well, I guess he's just sunk. I guess Moses just really can't do anything for God. Except come up with an excuse why he can't do anything for God. (laughs) It's just, I'm slow, Lord. I'm handicapped. My tongue don't work right. I'm not eloquent. My speech isn't eloquent. So, verse 11, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? I don't know if the Lord said it like that, but to me, when I read it, that's kind of how I think he said it. Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and here's what I wanted to get to. Pay attention, young people. And I will be with thy mouth. Do you have, a handicap in an area where you would say, Well, I'm not strong in this area. Why don't you trust the Lord? Trust the Lord. But for tonight's topic, I'd like you to notice that it the, the prophet will not say what he wants to say. It, it, it is the Lord. Um he he is going to, I will be with thy mouth, and I, and he says, I will teach thee what thou shall say in Jeremiah 1 you don't have to turn there but it says I have put my words in thy mouth the prophet Jeremiah he foretold the destruction of Judah it wasn't his opinion God gave him those words in Ezekiel 2 it says thou shalt speak my words Ezekiel foretells Israel as a nation they're going to receive life we all know Ezekiel 37 but it was God that gave the words Let's go to some, all right, go past uh, Daniel, get to the book of uh, book of Hosea. There's a prophet that foretells the destruction of Israel by the time you get into chapter number eight. But watch what it says in uh, Hosea chapter one, verse two. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife, and and, and it goes on. Um, Go to the next. Go to Joel. Go to the book of Joel. Watch what we see in the first verse. The word of the Lord that came to Joel. A prophet is speaking the Lord's words, not their own. Go to the next book. Amos chapter number 1. The words of Amos, we see it starts, and then he says in verse 2, and he said, the Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. Uh, Verse number 3, thus saith the Lord. All right, keep going. Uh, Let's go to Obadiah. Look at verse number 1. Obadiah one one: The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God. These prophets are men of God, accountable to God, speaking the word of God, forth telling the truth of God, praying to the holy and only wise and mighty God. Jonah 1.1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. It's very important. Look at Micah. Go to the next uh, prophetic book. The word of the Lord that came to Micah. Uh, keep flipping and come to Zephaniah. Zephaniah, right after Habakkuk, Zephaniah 1, the word of the Lord, which came unto Zephaniah. I think we get the point. We got enough Bible to get the point. What, what's the application I'm trying to make? Be very, very careful what you and I say, if it's not of the Lord. That's the message. That's the message. Old Testament had some prophetesses as well. Uh, Young young girls and and, and ladies, you should feel good about that. Exodus 15, and Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand. All the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And uh, we see in Judges 4, Deborah was a prophetess. Uh, It's a song, and it ends with a prayer. So it's interesting to note. I don't know if there's anything more than to note this, but uh, Miriam and Deborah both, it has to do with music and something interesting uh to tie that, those two together in 2 Kings 22 Hulda the prophetess she brings a report that Judah has forsaken the Lord they're burning incense to other gods and that's the uh, Isaiah 8 um some would not agree with this but it looks like the prophetess is Isaiah's wife and um whether it is or isn't, uh, isn't the point for tonight. The point is that we've got four instances in the Old Testament where women are considered prophetesses. Prophecy, Bible prophecy is extremely important. Seminars and books can be sold by the thousands and millions on prophetic stuff. I've got, I was, I wanted to print it out and I didn't, but it's like 25 pages, but I have 365 prophecies in the Bible, both the old and the new Testament that show Jesus Christ fulfilling them. to fulfill only eight of them. You know what the odds are? There may be more, but I've got a chart of 365. Now, young people, pay attention. We're going to do some math. If you just did eight, if you had, just pick a band and say, in your lifetime, see if you can fulfill eight on your own. The odds of fulfilling eight Bible prophecies for someone to do would be one in I don't even know what the number is. All I can tell you, it's the number one followed by 28 zeros. That would be the odds of eight. Anybody want to take those odds? I don't think so. What do you think the odds would be with 365? Any math whizzes, I'm sure you can figure it out, whatever the number is and how many zeros. The number one followed by how many zeros. Jesus Christ fulfilled prophetically 365 Bible prophecies. That there enough should convince the skeptic, they ought to give this book a chance. (laughs) Because if that doesn't convince you to give this book a chance, then you are just holding the truth and unrighteousness and shame on you. But to wrap up our talk for the Old Testament prophet, it was an office that was held and they had oversight over that nation. That was an Old Testament prophet. Now, are we in the Old Testament? We're in the New Testament. Let's go to Ephesians and let's see where prophets fit in the new testament this is important and you'll really know at the end i think but let's get some bible let's continue to flip through the book we need more of the book ephesians 2 verse number 20 the bible says uh, uh, verse 19 i'm sorry now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We went over this verse last week with apostles. It's the same with the prophet. They are foundational for the New Testament church. And that foundation has been laid. Let's continue to go to the book of Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 3. This calls I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. For you Gentiles, if you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. This gift, it was operating in the New Testament, Until the book of Revelation was written and we had a closed canon of scripture, you had some mysteries. That. It's not like it wasn't truth that wasn't there, it's just truth that was there, you didn't know about it, and it was revealed. And so there's some foundation stuff that's laid, and then there's. You get the early church, they don't have all the books of the Bible. Did God reveal some things to Paul? As a prophet, as an apostle. And so that's that's what's going on. And until the book of Revelation is complete, you had prophets, you had God's men proclaiming his word. And as they proclaimed his word, they confirmed his word. Now, what do we have? A complete canon of scripture. Canon is just the collection, the grouping of divinely inspired books authored by God. But if you didn't have a complete Bible, do you see how important the role of a prophet would be? Go to Ephesians chapter number four. Can everybody, uh, does everybody have in their lap a complete Bible? You see how the You see how the shifting is now? We don't need someone to confirm something. We have it confirmed in our Bible. We just need to go and read it. We'll get to that in a minute. But look at Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. So in the New Testament, it's not oversight over a nation. What is it? It's a gift given by God. Two men and dare I say women yes there's prophetesses in the New Testament don't get weird on me now because you think that sounds charismatic go to Acts 21. Acts 21. Acts 21 verse number nine and the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. We're going to talk about evangelists next Sunday night, which was one of the seven and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. That would make them prophetesses. <laughs> okay? It's in the Bible. And what did they do? They taught. They didn't forth tell truth. What did they do? They foretold truth. And that's what we do as New Testament prophets. If anybody right now, if they want to come in and forth tell something for the future, fine come and do it. But it better line up with what is already foretold in this book. Does that make sense? All of the forth telling that we need to know about it's right here in this Bible. So never mind what Alec Jones says. Never mind what QAnon says. Never mind what the news says. Never mind what any of the media outlets says. Never mind what the billboard says about you know prophecy seminar. Three days to learn the secrets of No. What does the book say? We gotta line it all up with the book. All right. First Corinthians fourteen. It's important. First Corinthians chapter number fourteen. And young people, pay attention. I'm going to give you a test at the end. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. But he that prophesieth speaketh on demand to edification and exhortation and comfort. <laughs> um, You'll be a New Testament prophet. Help people, bring, it, bring, bring some comfort in their life. Okay? Watch what it says in verse 24. But of all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. Do you know that any believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can have the gift of prophecy where they can foretell God's truth from his book. You know, when we go out and do public ministry and there's other men and women, they can foretell God's word. If someone comes in and visits, it's good to have other men and other women, you know, guy comes in visits, you have three or four men speaking to him, God's truth. It's helpful. It's helpful. That shows it's not just one guy. Other brethren could have the gift. Look at verse 31. For ye may all prophesy one by one. It would be a little awkward if everybody started talking. This is why when we come to church, we don't talk in the pews. We sit up straight. We keep our eyes on the preacher and we allow one person to talk. It's respectful. It's orderly. And if someone were to come in and all of a sudden all five of us talk at the same time to the guy, what do you think he's going to think? There's something weird with those people. (laughs) You have five guys talking to me at one time, right? That's why when someone visits, one of the brothers may speak to him a little bit about something. One of the other brothers will wait. and He'll speak to him about something else. Why? So there's some edification. The gift of prophecy is to edify. It's to edify someone. Speak one at a time. It's it's comforting. And it doesn't confuse. Now, if you're a teacher or if you're a, uh, a parent or both, you know that when you walk into your classroom. And there's a problem, and both of the kids are telling you the problem at the same time. You're like, okay, everybody be quiet. All right, you go first. Why? Because go and get some order. And that's the idea of this gift, at least in in the context of that verse. Look at verse 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophecy, to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. If you wanna if you want to covet something. Covet the gift of prophecy. You know why? Because if you can talk to somebody one-on-one, if you can talk to a group of people and foretell the truth from God's word, you can do a lot for that soul. I mean, you can make a show and bring a big crowd with tongues and some charismatic stuff. There's some there's attraction to that. But let me ask you a question. How does that practically edify anybody? I can entertain you if I'm coveting the gift of tongues I just got to get it out they had that problem in Corinth they had to get it out trying to help them understand look you want to covet something how about covet the gift of prophecy that would probably help you better we said before if you're a New Testament prophet and you want to prophesy about the future that's fine but you are limited To what is already written in the word of God. Always ask them. Where in the Bible do I go to find that? And we must. We must be able to refute. False prophets. Oh the guy. He's he's since. He's since passed away. Oh Harold Camping. Anybody. Does that name ring a bell. Harold Camping. It's a northeast thing I guess. He was from northeast. He had a big radio program, and he prophesied the end of the world. More, It was two major ones, and people, I mean, they followed him. He had a big radio broadcast. He wasn't down here in the South. Well, there's many guys like that. They're prophesying something, and they're using the Bible to do it. First Thessalon- uh, Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians and go to 1 uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. There we go. That's what it tells us. Uh, verse sixteen, these are simple verses. Rejoice evermore. That's a positive command to follow. Uh, Seventeen, pray without ceasing, another positive command to follow. Verse 18, and everything give thanks, another positive command to follow. See, we're not just about don't do this, don't do that. Here are some things God wants us to do for this. Is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you quench not the spirit? And then right after that, it says despise not prophesying. You know what was going on in the church in Corinth? They were violating Verse number 20 in 1 Thessalonians. And they were despising the prophesying. They'd rather just be able to speak in tongues. He has to tell them, hey, covet something different. How about that, fellas? Um, Go to 1 Corinthians. Go back there. Go to verse 14. Or chapter 14. I'm sorry. Chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse number 5. Uh, at verse 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. You got an unknown t- tongue you're speaking in? There's some edification going on. <laughs> it's for you. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. In other words, can we think of other people? Everybody has heard the acronym. All the parents have used it at one time or another. Joy. But Jesus first. Other second, yourself last. But we're dyslexic when we read that. It's Yaj. <laughs> we, we, we know the acronym, it's just that all of a sudden we have a dyslexia moment and we put ourselves first. And you 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 are getting edified if you want to do the unknown tongue. That's what he's that's what he's talking about here. Look at verse five. I would that y'all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret. Why? That the church may receive edification. If one of you young people stands up and you start going, you know, yabba-dabba-doo and uh, fooey-fooey-foo and, you know, uh, all all this this jargon, you might feel good about yourself. But you know what I'm going to say? What in the world did that boy say? I don't know. What in the world did that boy say? I don't know. Okay, sit down and be quiet. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. Because all you did was put on a show for you to feel good. Prophecy. Covet that. Learn the word of God. Foretell the word of God. Um, look at verse it, it was despised and the issue is they went to an extreme. Now pay attention because this is important. When people exalt one issue as the issue, that's the issue they were having in first Corinthians. Tongues, 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 tongues. All they can talk about is tongues. Everywhere they go, we speak in tongues, we speak in tongues, we speak in tongues. They take an issue and they exalt that issue higher than any other issue and they can't not despise everybody and everything else. Head coverings, head coverings, head coverings, head coverings. I got to have We have to. all, All the women, they have to have head coverings, head coverings, head coverings, head coverings. One issue is exalted above every other issue. And that's a danger. And that's a principle there. It's a one doctrine donkey. And they keep riding that donkey. And it's just that one doctrine. And that one issue that they can't get off, it's a substitute for real, legitimate love. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Look at this, verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now, if you're going to get the gift of prophecy, that means you are foretelling the word of God. That means you are. You have to study the Word of God. You got to read the Word of God. You got to meditate on the Word of God. It's the book. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. It gives people. They. The Corinthian church, tongues, 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 tongues. It gives them an ex, it gives them a spiritual excuse to not have to love anybody. Instead of trying to exalt your one issue, and instead of trying to be a one doctrine donkey, how about you follow after charity? And that's what he's trying to teach them first Thessalonians 19 it says quench not the spirit despise not prophesy two more spots two more spots and we're done first john chapter 4 and the book of revelation will be in the 22nd chapter All right, 1 John chapter 4, Revelation chapter number 22. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. In the beginning of the message, did we see? false prophets right alongside Elijah they're there we have the same thing in the New Testament false prophets they're going to foretell something but it's not going to be from this book and there's a danger in there are there prophets in the New Testament yes if their nose isn't in this book and it's off of something rather than this be careful And you must try the spirits, whether they are of God. You've got to study. I'm giving you these verses. You study them. You read them. You get a hold of them. You make sure that they're right contextually. Revelation 22, verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. If you are going to prophesy, it has to line up with the book. And if it doesn't, it ain't right. That's the idea of this verse in Revelation 22. It must line up with the book, the book, the words of the book. Now, last thing I'll say. How many have heard of the prophetic prayer bunch, the, pro- the prophetic prayer um, movement? You've, you've, you've heard of it. You just don't know you've heard of it. They, uh, they have prophetic visions. And I've spoke to one man over the last six months that gave me this, you know, he had a prophetic vision. He had a vision from God, and he's going with that vision. Show me in the Bible. He can't show me in the Bible. He's not interested in showing me in the Bible. He is violating Revelation 22. We need to be careful of these things. They command God's will to be fulfilled on earth. And they do this through prophetic prayer, prophetic vision. It's charismatic mumbo-jumbo is what it is. They want to bring God's judgment upon something, or they want to bring in God's kingdom. And they're going to do that by their prophetic prayer. It's, in Matthew 6, it's um, thy will be done. But when they read Matthew 6, it's my will be done. That's the idea behind this. So they believe that they can bring it into existence through their own predicting. The problem with that is, we are to submit to God's will. We are not at any point to try to bring God down to what our will is. It's God, your will be done. It's God, we are accountable to you. It's God, it's what is said in your word we want to line up with. Very, very different than this name it and claim it, prophetic prayer visions. We do not possess special prophetic prayer power. To bring in God's will. It's God's will. It's God's plan. It's his timetable. Does that make sense? Isaiah 46. Yea, I have spoken it. That's God. I will also bring it to pass. That's God. I have purposed it. Who would that be? That be God. I will also do it. And that would be the final that would be God. It's his will we line up with. It's his word we foretell. And if you want to be a prophet now and foretell something, you better find what has been foretold and say exactly what it says, because you don't want to take away any of the words of the book of this